They have had this disease since 2005. That is when it was first reported. And they have lost 70% of their production. They've gone from almost a million acres of citrus in Florida to just over 340,000 acres. Tune in every Tuesday to the Learning with Lowell podcast with me, your host, Lowell, to hear world-class scientists, startup founders, CEOs, and authors, people who you wouldn't normally hear about but are making huge waves all the same. You'll understand them and their work by hearing their passion, laughter, advice, and hearing them, the experts, break down what they're working on so that you can learn, push the boundaries of your knowledge and understanding. Three quick ways to show your support and get unique, exclusive, and fun content is by checking out learningwithlowell.com website, our Patreon page. Even if it's just a buck, it keeps us advertisement free and subscribing. Today we have a special episode where instead of learning about people or what they're building, we learn about an illness and how it's affected people and how it's really ravaged the nation. And in our stellar, there's this blight that's seen that's just wiping out organism after organism, kind of like the dust bowl over and over and over again. In the last 10 years since 2008, we have had something very similar to that, and we're going to get into it in this episode with two experts, one named Victoria, one named Elizabeth, both amazing people. I introduced them in their time. I want to especially thank them for taking the time to talk with me today. I want to give a huge thank you to Elizabeth Stuhlberg for for putting me on the path of this concept, Tracy Monk, who helped coordinate a lot of these interviews, and a number of other people for helping out as well, but I don't want to take too much of this time. Let's start learning about the Asian psyllid. Can you lung first one dive in to and get into this. why we should call it one lung bing over citrus greening? In California, going green is considered a good thing, right? And this is Victoria Hornbaker, Citrus Pest and Disease Prevention Interim Director at the California Department of Food and Agriculture. So when we first were preparing for the potential that we might encounter HLB in California, worked with our contractors that do the outreach and education, and they did some some surveys and confirmed that for us. So we decided that going with the actual name of Wong Long Bing or HLB, it was it, it gave people the understanding that this is a serious thing and and it's not a good thing. We didn't want to have that good connotation. So for us, Wong Long Bing HLB. Excellent. So what has happened since it was first discovered in 2008, and it's 2018-19 right now. We've developed a very robust um, survey program for the insect and the disease. We have really refined our protocols. We we have um, done a really good job of developing a really robust biocontrol program that we're seeing a lot of successes with in Southern California. We have established a new way of regulating the movement of bulk citrus and nursery stock in California to prevent the artificial movement of Asian citrus psyllid and Wang Wang Bing while allowing commerce to continue and supporting our, our industry that way. So can you unpack the biocontrol program real quick? If the biocontrol program, biocontrol is not new to California um, or, or other parts of the world. So biocontrol basically is you're using a, a natural predator of the insect uh, to control that insect in the environment. Um, and so Asian citrus psyllid, the vector of Wang Wang Bing, um, well, the vector of Candidus liberibacter asiaticus, the bacteria that causes Wang Wang Bing, is a native to Asia, um, not California. So um, a UC researcher that we work very closely with, Dr. Mark Hoddle, um, did some analysis to kind of determine what parts of Asia had similar um, climate, similar, um, uh, you know, uh, elevation, different things would be a good match for California. And he 
focused on the region, the, Pac, uh, the Punjab region of Pakistan. And so Dr. Hoddle and his research partners made multiple trips to that area and they collected um, parasites of the Asian citrus psyllid. And they were able to bring those back and under uh, quarantine, um, grow them out, and then um, give, do a lot of testing. You know, do they eat other bugs? Do they eat native California bugs? Um, and it was really quite interesting that they found one called Tamarixia radiata. Tamarixia radiata um, is very specific, uh, feeds on Asian citrus psyllid. So it was a good fit for biocontrol because it doesn't, it wouldn't impact native California insects. And what it does is um, two things. It feeds on the adults, so it will eat adult psyllids, um, basically uh, kind of sucking the juices out of them. And then it will also parasitize the nymph. So um, Asian citrus psyllid lays an egg, and it has five instars where they go through molts until they emerge and become an adult psyllid. So Tamarixia really likes the fourth to fifth instar. And what they do is they lay their eggs under the nymphs, and the eggs will attach themselves and the nymph to the citrus plant. And as that egg hatches and pupates, it will eat its way through the um, ACP nymph and emerge out, leaving just what they call a mummy, um, and essentially killing the nymph and then emerging out to go search for mates and lay eggs and uh, do the whole thing over again. So Tamarixia works for us. We have two facilities in Southern California where we're doing mass rearing um, for Tamarixia. We have a facility at Mount Rubidoux in Riverside County, and we have a facility at Cal Poly Pomona. So those, um, and Tamarix is a little tiny, tiny microscopic, I mean, not microscopic, but very, very tiny wasps, smaller than the Asian citrus psyllid, um, about the head of a pen. Um, and they go out and they rear these things in these little cages, they collect them, and then they release them throughout all of Southern California. Um, and we're seeing really good control rates um, in our release locations, and um, we're, we're using them now to focus on areas that are of a lot of concern, for instance, uh, transportation corridors, um, near the base of the grapevine, you know, because we don't want them, we don't want ACP moving into the valley um, artificially on, you know, people in people's cars or what have you. So they're doing really focused releases, but um, what we see with Tamarixia is we can get upwards of 90% control if there's ant control done on a property and, and if it's the right temperature. Um, for instance, they don't do as well in hot temperatures uh, like Imperial, it's just too hot, or where it's cooler along the coast, they, it's more of a seasonal effect. So within the, the LA Basin where we have more moderate temperatures, so we're seeing pretty good control um, like I said, anywhere from 30 to 90%, 90% being the best when there's really good ant control because the ants will protect the nymphs. They'll protect the, uh, the immature stages of the Asian citrus psyllid. And the nice thing is you put the Tamarixia out and they work for us 24-7. You know, they, they don't take breaks. They're out there eating and, and parasitizing Asian citrus psyllid. Today we're joined with Elizabeth Grafton Codwell, director of the Linkove REC and research entomologist at UC Riverside. How'd you first learn of this illness and what can you tell us of the Asian psyllid, which is the vector for this illness? I saw the situation developing in Florida and I 
obtain grant funds to go out there and study the insect and the disease. Psyllids, and in the case of the Asian form, which is why we call it Huanglong Bing, in the case of the Asian form, only the Asian citrus psyllid can transmit it. And it's a very tiny insect. It's kind of the size of an aphid. And it, um, the reason it's so efficient at moving this disease, more efficient than any other insect disease situation I've looked at, is that the psyllid likes to lay its eggs in the same area of the plant that it feeds. And so it lays down a bacterial infection if it's got the bacteria in its body and then lays its eggs next to it and those eggs hatch and the nymphs feed on the bacterium, take it into their bodies. And when they molt and fly away as adults, they take it with them. So there's no lag time, very efficient vector uh, moving a disease. So with the psyllid, what we're looking for is a little tiny brownish insect. You can see them with your naked eye. And the nymphal stage produces these funny-looking waxy tubules, which are very characteristic. And no other insect in citrus creates them. So that helps you identify this particular insect. Mm -hmm. When it first attacks a tree, you can't tell. You can't see anything. But as the disease progresses... It makes it harder and harder for nutrients to get to the leaves. And so you see this blotchy yellow modeling in the leaves. And then eventually, over several years, uh, the veins of the leaves thicken and the tree becomes kind of sick looking. The leaves start dropping off. The fruit gets smaller and the taste of the fruit gets bitter. And then eventually the tree dies. Why has this been allowed to spread just so quickly over the course of 10 years, almost 50% of the citrus in the United States have been wiped out by this illness. So what are your thoughts on how it's been able to spread so quickly? Really just the globalization of the world, you know, the volume of people moving around the world. And it's very difficult to control every bit of plant material that they carry with them. They might have fruit with a stem and leaf on it that has psyllids on it, or, you know, or they bring plant material from across the border from Mexico or, you know, there are just so many ways it can come. There was a point in time when our when our uh, task force was, we just Googled on the internet and you could order through Federal Express citrus trees from India. You know, that sort of thing is, is illegal and shouldn't be happening. But because we can transport so quickly and easily, stuff gets through. So we know that it's really big in Florida, just the massive devastation with the orange and citrus industry. How is it trending in California right now? It's been shifting towards California, and it could shift back if if these tools come into play. It's spreading very rapidly. We're up to nearly 800 trees removed from residential areas of Los Angeles and Orange counties. Jumping back to you, Victoria, how has the illness been able to spread so quickly? Whether we're talking about how it got to California or Florida or Texas or wherever, there's two ways that the disease can be spread to a citrus tree. The main way is through the psyllid, right, the vector of the disease. Um, but it can also be sent, spread through um, grafting. So if I am in a country where they have um, Long Bing and I see this really lovely tree that I know we don't have back in California or Florida or Texas, and I cut a bud stick off of it and I put it in my luggage and I say, I'm going to take this home and I'm going to graft it onto my lemon tree because I really, really want to have this variety at home. I could inadvertently be spreading not only Wang Long Bing, but many other diseases and viroids to my citrus tree. 
So home grafting is probably one of the big ways that we've brought HLB into California and the rest of the U.S. and or um, people bringing in um, nursery stock from other regions of the world or parts of the states that have the disease, um, you know, not realizing that they're putting these areas at risk. So bringing in a nursery stock that's infected. So um, bringing in trees from Mexico or um, Brazil or China that could have been infected or the bud sticks is probably how we got the disease here initially. We, it didn't more than likely come here in a psyllid, but then you get the psyllids and they start flying around and this disease has a long latency period. Um, so you can have a full blown, um, you know, a full grown tree get infected and it can take up to two to five years for that tree to succumb to the disease. But in that time, if psyllids are feeding on it, they're picking up the bacteria and they're moving it to other trees from Florida in that they have had this disease since 2005. That is when it was first reported. And they have lost um, 70% of their production. They've gone from, from Florida in that they have had this disease since 2005. That is when it was first reported. And they have lost... Um, 70% of their production. They've gone from almost um, almost a million acres of citrus in Florida to um, just over 340,000 acres. Almost um, almost a million acres of citrus in Florida to um, just over 340,000 acres. And that's just commercial. That's not even including the residential citrus trees. Elizabeth, what's uh, giving you hope for the future? What do you see coming up that's making you feel confident about this this illness being combated effectively? They're looking at how to modify the psyllids so that you could, you know, like the transformed mosquitoes release ones that can't transmit the disease but would interbreed with the with the natural population and, and reduce uh, the incidence of the disease. They're looking at um, things they called interference RNA, where you sprayables that you would spray on the trees that would prevent the psyllid from uh, forming the salivary sheath that it needs to pick up fluids, and so it couldn't transmit the disease. They're looking at um, both traditional and, and genetically engineered citrus that could resist the disease. So lots and lots of research going on. Victoria, what are some of the things that you're excited that's coming out or that you're seeing develop and come through? what we're calling early detection technologies. Well, I shouldn't say starting. We started looking at those several years ago. But ways that we can potentially detect the disease before it alerts on the PCR scale. So things like metabolic um, changes in the tree when it becomes sick or changes in the microbiome on on the leaves of the tree because of the volatiles that are being excreted when the tree starts fighting off a disease. Uh, one of the things that's really um, quite novel and, and they're taking a look at in, in Florida and Texas are canines that can detect um, the disease. So there's a lot of stuff going on and we really hope to be the recipient of this work in California to really, you know, find the disease early, get it out of the system and, you know, maintain our, our citrus industry here in California. And one of the other things that we're really looking at and, and again, partnering with Florida and Texas um, is looking for resistant and tolerant rootstocks and scions. Um, So is there a combination of a rootstock and a scion that's going to get us uh, some tolerance or resistance that 
we can plant that tree and get, you know, instead of five years of production in an HLB environment, we can get 10 or 15 years of production. Um, you know, in my heart of hearts, I want to say that, you know, we're going to find a cure for this. So there's a lot of researchers um, internationally working on potential cures, um, very, very novel things with um, gene editing and, and different things to change the psyllid so that it can't um, transmit the disease, um, change the, the tree so that it's more, you know, uh, more robust and protects itself from the bacteria, change the bacteria. Um, you know, so there's a lot of things going on. And, um, you know, it's we're going to have an international conference in California um, in 2019. It's going to be in the Riverside area. And that's going to draw some of the best minds in the world on the, specifically on this um, this disease complex on Asian citrus psyllid and Wang Wang Bing. And, um, you know, our California researchers are right there um, working with these folks. So we're like I said, we're really lucky that we have the support of our partners elsewhere in the world and elsewhere in the nation to get us this information. And I actually work with a group called the um, multi-agency cooperative and we work on shovel ready projects. So we have some, some federal funding that people will come to us and say, look, I have this. I, I think it's going to work. Um, if you can give me a year of funding, I, I think I can implement this. So we're really challenging people to come to us with novel, um, novel solutions. And, and, and when you can do that kind of a challenge, people will, you know, we, I think we're setting ourselves up to have some successes. So it's pretty exciting. So for people like me or like people listening in, are there things that we can do or be? Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that we ask people to do is be good stewards of your backyard citrus. Um, Like I said, I am from Orange County. I grew up, there and everybody pretty much had a citrus tree in their yard and for me that thought of going to my hometown and not seeing citrus trees there would be quite devastating for two reasons it's iconic and like I said for me I'm very passionate about people being able to grow and produce um, you know fruits and vegetables in their own yard Um, so one of the things we ask people to do is when you're out watering your trees picking fruit pruning any of the activities that you're doing out in your yard, keep an eye out for the Asian citrus psyllid. If you see an insect um, that meets that, you know, looks like an Asian citrus psyllid, um, we want you to go to your local home and garden center, talk to them. Hey, I've got this insect. I want to protect my tree. What can I do? They can give you advice. There's also a UCI, I'm sorry, a UC uh, website that gives advice to homeowners on what to do for Asian citrus psyllid. If you're a homeowner and your citrus tree is declining, it's losing leaves, it's not producing fruit, um, you see symptoms that think that you look online, we have a a website called um, uh, californiacitrusthreat.org and you go on there and you see pictures, you say, oh, that looks like what I'm seeing on my tree. We have a 1-800 number, um, 1-800-491-1899. We would encourage people to call and report that so we can get a trained inspector out to take samples. Um, and for me, one of the biggest things that, that I ask people is cooperate with um, local ag officials. So if somebody from the county or the state is coming out and knocking on your door to talk to you about your citrus trees, um, you know, we're not trying to sell you anything. We just want to help you protect your tree. We want to take a look at it make sure it's not diseased. And if it is diseased, cooperate with tree removal because the tree is dying. 
Um, your tree's not going to come back from this disease. It's going to end up being a dead tree in your yard, and you're going to have to pay someone to remove it at that point. If we tell you your tree's disease, it has passed the, a federal standard test. It, the bacteria is there, and it's going to die, and we're going to take it out for you for free. So the main thing for me is look at your trees, um, enjoy your fruit, take care of your trees, and let us know um, if you see something out of the ordinary and then cooperation with, with the CDFA and the local county ag commissioners. And this was Lungwan Bing, the Asian psyllid, the destruction of citrus throughout America and you know in a number of other places in the world. But at the same time, it's very hopeful Listen in to what they said to do, you know, be very vigilant and we all can do our part to curbing the spread of this illness. I want to remind and make a huge thank you to Elizabeth Stuhlberg, Elizabeth for helping out in the show, Victoria for helping out in the show, Tracy for helping out in the show. I just want to thank everyone. And if you like this type of content, you like this different type of format of episode, let me know and I'll keep doing them. Other than that, I want to inform people before we go that there is a new way to show support for the podcast and to keep it advertisement free from now until forever, which is called Patreon. If you go to Patreon and look for Learning with Lowell, you'll see this podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. We can be found on Twitter at Lowell was here, Facebook, and on the website, learningwithlowell.com. Also sign up for the newsletter where you can hear amazing content every Monday, new episodes every Tuesday, and new blog posts around every Thursday. Remember to share and tell your friends. Please and thank you.